All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley back again for another week heading into the run home now two-thirds of the way through the season. Billy is on with us once again this week so welcome back Billy. How was your week in Supercoach? Yeah, ended up with a 13-40 mate so um, half decent enough for, for a bit of a rise but um, I think you really need to punch a massive one if you're going to strip stream at this point of the season. Yeah, I was pretty similar. It wasn't... Um, it wasn't the best week. I was a bit lower than you. I think you've got about 10 points on me or something. But, um, yeah, a bit harder to move up now than what it was <laughs> a couple of months ago when we were talking how much we were all moving up. So, yeah, need a big finish in the next seven weeks. Yeah, true, mate. I think it's time to buy Lomax back. Well, we'll get to that. Um, so we're going to obviously have team talk, guys, like we normally do. We'll go through TLT pretty quick this week because I don't think there's as many options as what there normally is as well. Uh, first, we're going to have a little bit of a strategy segment like we did last week as well. This week, we're just going to have a five-minute chat on picking squads, though. So one of the things that starts to happen at this point of the season is everyone's squads become sort of 20-plus deep. And I'm finding it myself at the moment this week, especially where even though we've had injuries and stuff um, after I affect my couple of trades, it's going to be pretty hard to sort of pick who the best 17 is going to be to play this week. And that's going to become harder and harder for the run home. So it is something where you can do a bit of uh, thought process with it to kind of get things a bit better. Um, I'll go through a few things that I do for my team when I'm looking at the best way to maximise the 17 that I'm playing. Um, and Billy will probably have a few different things that he does or, or opinions on it as well. But probably one of the biggest things for me, um, and Billy, I'm really interested in your thought on this, is... Uh, like draw, draw used to come into it a fair bit. I think that now it's almost not as critical. Like last year, I would look at the draw a lot more when I'm picking my 17 um, and basing on draw. This year, we've got that many players that are out, and you know the Storm's a great example. You know they played really well last week, but this week they've got uh, Munster, Smith both out again. Uh, they've got Vunavalo out. They've got Jesse Bromwich out now as well. So, you know, six weeks ago, I would have said there's no way that I want to play, you know, a, a Sevo or a Moses against a Storm or anything like that. I still might not, but it's actually a consideration now because it's quite a different Storm lineup, And that's actually happening with a lot of teams. I'm finding the draw a lot a lot harder to predict. I think a winger versus the Storm is still a bit of a stretch, but um, more of a chance of semi actually uh, having a couple of runs and putting something over in the corner uh, as compared to previous sets for sure. Um, that's probably a bit of a, a stretch for an example, but I know what you're talking about. I'd probably, I'd probably do that with sort of teams outside the top, sort of top two or three. But, um, yeah, the Pleasure Storm's a good example. Yeah. Do you normally do you take much stock into um, the draw when you're picking your 17 now when you're pretty stacked and you've got to leave guns out of it? Yeah, 100%. Like I'd be... Uh, if it wasn't for um, what you call um, Haspin injured, I would have left um, Mansour out this week and bought in Lomax to play. Um, uh, I think this week, uh, the what you call it, um, I know he plays right side, but um, I'd be playing Shibasaki this week versus the uh, the Cowboys at home on a Sunday with the um, for, for the Knights. I'll take a punt there. So, Little, little, little sudden things like that, like not one percent plays, but you know, low percent ownership guys that 
probably would otherwise look to sort of not play this time of year. They just get a, a cameo every now and then. Yep, yep. Uh, I still look at draw. I'm just I'm starting to f- just feel like it's a bit harder this year because of um, the injuries and how sort of teams are shaking out for the final run home. Uh, the second thing that I definitely look at, and I think it's really important, this comes down to your team build as well um, when we're talking about positional importance in choosing your 17. Now, obviously, Billy, you always want to choose um, a strong forward pack. Um, I think generally speaking, everyone's going to have two forwards that you're normally going to start potentially even two forwards and a hooker sometimes as reserves. Out of your four reserves, you're going to have three in the forward pack. Uh, but you're always going to have at least two. One of the mistakes that I make sure that I don't make, though, uh, is I want to make sure that I don't stack up on all these forwards that I can't play. I've just gotten dangerously close now to having too many uh, forward options that I'd actually want to play and having to leave forward options out. Uh, and... But down when you look at my centre wing, you know, I, I probably should have spent some money there. So one of the things that I definitely look at trying to do, especially when you're talking about the last sort of six or seven weeks of the season, is I want to make sure that um, I don't have my four pack stacked where I've got like four guys on the bench because I'm not going to be able to play all of them every week. Uh, but I do want to make sure that I do have my centre wings with some options. So, you know, I probably want um, two centre wings there on the bench that I can alternate in and out at this point. Uh, likewise, I'd want at least one half that I could do it with as well. And you've got to make sure that you build your team that way, I think, because it makes it a lot easier choosing your 17 because there's always going to be center wings that you don't want to play. But with the forwards, generally speaking, you know, all the forwards that you have, there's not going to be a huge drop-off between one or the other, and you're going to end up leaving a couple out if you overbuy the forward pack. Um, so that's something that I'm always conscious of, Billy. I'm not sure about yourself as far as that strategy. Yeah, same. Um, for, for, mate, a rubbish forward versus a quality forward is that really a sort of ten points per week on on average? But um, playing one one sort of Tom Dick or Harry here, here there or everywhere isn't really going to make a difference with that play like Harsby out for one week. So yeah, I think the um, the high volatility um, and depth is um, where you want to go at centre three quarter. Just keep your staples up front and keep them, keep them to a minimum. Yep, and that's something where something like this week, for example, if you've got two starting front rowers already and you've got two second rowers on the bench along with your three starting second rowers, it wouldn't be something where I'm rushing out to get a third front rower in because everybody's going to be playing a second fullback and you really don't want to just be leaving a, a high-priced forward every week that's going to score uh, well pretty much every week because you're going to end up having to do that as well. So Yeah, one um, other thing to remember is uh, the closer you get towards the end of the season, the less averages um, mean anything. So, put this way, if it was, if this was sort of round three, three or four, you'd be looking to sort of get, get a staple guys into your team that are going to average sort of uh, 65, 70 plus for the rest of the year, or, or some guys that you think are going to average that between now and the end of the year. Right now, you could actually take a body that's averaging sort of 35, and it won't mean squat, because if he's only played three games, there's less, less of a chance of that. Um, that average actually evening out. You're only looking at a three game average. So if you pick a bloke who's averaging 35 purely based off draw, like used Tino from Melbourne, for example, going from the bench to a starting position for maybe what a week or two, all of a sudden his average doesn't mean crap because he's going to get more minutes. Or a bloke like Barnett who has a hell of a draw and is playing eight minutes at lock and is tackling 50, um, maybe 50 tackles a game. Um, just get guys who have an anomaly of a run or a punching above their weight and sure as hell you, you can get people like that to average the same as Haas 
Week to week, that's definitely important. So I reckon that's a really good point too. I mean, you can look at, at the advanced metrics as well and stuff. Um, some uh, there's some pretty good stuff on Twitter um, that you'll find where you'll see, you know, what edge defenses leak the most and and so forth. You know, certainly you can base it on that if you want to look it into it, look into it a lot. But generally speaking, you know, you can pretty much cover it just by making sure you build your team right, like we said, making sure you have a look at the matchups a little bit, which is important. The other thing as well is that you want to also differentiate if you're looking at your head-to-head matchups versus your uh, overall strategy, which is the last thing that I'll probably say when I'm picking my team. Obviously, if you're you're playing into a head-to-head billy, um, you know, double look at your your opponent um, that first game when it unlocks and see where you've got your pod players and how you need to move around your team. That's obviously going to make a huge difference on on who you pick. So we won't really need to go into that, but from a classic point of view. I'm reasonably placed, but I've got to chase a little bit. So, you know, if I think that my 17 that I've chosen in overall this week is really stock standard, meat and potatoes, heavily owned, then that might be the deciding factor with, um, particularly with my centre wing and backs and halves. You know, I'll probably go, well, you know what? I don't think Moses is going to go. I don't know if Moses is going to go great this week. Moses is probably a bad example, but George Weaves is one, you know, um, but I'm going to play them over sort of a, a third reserve forward that's heavily owned and everyone's playing because, yeah, that's a 60 from that forward, but I really need sort of an 80-plus, and that's the only way I'm going to be able to chase because there's, there's no point choosing your 17 every week if your strategy is to chase of just choosing all the high, most highly owned players because they're all going to be the most highly played players. You're not really going to go anywhere as well. So that's that one little wrinkle where maybe I will throw out the um, the other stuff a little bit and just sort of throw one or two pods in there if I really need to chase. Yeah, the best way to look for uh, places to chase is high volatility. So, uh, example, I think far eight is a really difficult position at the moment. So you've got obviously got um, the monster out there. Kiwi's out, so there's your playboy there. You've got Luai, who a few people have, have, have held on to, who has great draw coming up, but really needs the two, two or six or two tries to break 50. And you've got SJ, who just doesn't really seem to be able to sort of crack a massive ton anymore. So he's sort of plodding along that with a groin injury. So if you can just find someone, like, an anomaly like Williams, who's not the greatest of players, but you know, has a, a hell of a draw at the moment, and get a couple of decent games out of him, all of a sudden there's 40 points to be climbed back. Yeah, for sure. And that's when you do go away from the stock standard of at least two forwards. Maybe if you're you know, really chasing... Uh, or if you have to win every game in a head-to-head going into the next couple of weeks, that might be the case where you've got your reserve fullback, uh, either two reserve halves or a reserve half and a reserve centre wing with high volatility to try and hit a big score because that's the only way that you can really do it. Billy, is there anything else that you kind of look at when you're choosing your 17 each week and, and which guns to sit and which ones to start? Yeah, I just look for whoever's playing um, the Chooks because they're severely depleted at the moment. Anyone who plays against the Chooks is going to put some points on the board. So. <laughs> <laughs> we got players coming back this week, mate. It's all right. We're, we're, we're going to get back on the wagon. It's okay. It's all right. We've done this before. I've seen it before. I'm not going to panic just yet. If we didn't get anyone back this week, though, Chase, I'd be pretty worried. If you've got players like Flanagan, you can call back. You know, what, what, once a year, that Moses go down, I think we're um, in dire straits. Yeah, well, we may as well um, move on to the uh, the TLT and have a bit of a chat about that since we're talking about teams already. So, first game off the bat is our Thursday night game, and that one is our Eels versus Storm. So, conveniently enough, Billy, you get to 
chat about the, um, the Eels first up. They've got no changes, so the Eels are, as per program, uh, the Storm side, however, has a fair few. So obviously Cameron Munster and, and Cameron Smith weren't named. Smith was a little bit of a rumour that he might get named this week, but he's not. Jesse Bromwich actually ended up being found guilty at the judiciary tonight, so he's going to miss the game as well. Shandor Earl comes in for Vinavalu, broke his jaw. Also, we've got Tino coming in at lock for Dale Finucane, who's out for six weeks. There is a chance that Jerome Hughes doesn't play as well. Um, he strained his groin last week, so he could be out. So I think, Billy, it was a, um, a pretty weakened storm side last week, but they actually looked really good. But they're even weaker this week against your guys. So you must be pretty happy with these few extra changes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it kind of puts us in with a little bit of a chance, although um, still won't be easy for us, mate. Um, storm doesn't, doesn't matter how many players they've got. They're always a good team. I'm just quietly happy with um, uh, Smithy being out another week. And I think the forward's been depleted, just kind of wondering if it means sort of um, young Smith sort of ends up playing more than 65, 65 minutes. Just he's a bit, give a bit more direction. Um, probably have a, a bloke come off the bench again. But yeah, it is leak up the middle. So I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of hoping he'll win sort of you know, by a couple of tries, but Brandon Smith gets a couple through as well. There's been a few people a bit um, disappointed with Brandon Smith um, that have brought him in. It lasted six weeks at some point. On the trade market, as far as the top tens are concerned, there isn't anyone in the Eels uh, or Storm side that's really relevant to talk about. Uh, Ryan Madison's going to be a big watch. Uh, he's got a, a pretty big break-even again, uh, and he's going to be very cheap next week. So he's going to be... I'm targeting him for next week as a buyback. Um, I don't know if you see any value in... If you need a second rower this week, if you just go early, I mean, he's got a, a 149 BE against the Storm, only 586k, which is great for him. Ordinarily, you'd go, no, nah, you definitely wait. But, you know, if you need a back rower and you've already got the Batemans and, and everyone else, uh, I guess you could maybe consider him. Um, I guess the thing with my Eels players, Billy, is I can't wrap my head around whether this is going to be a good matchup for them, because it's at Bank West, Storm are depleted a little bit. I expect a bit of a Neil's bounce back. So maybe it's not really going to be a normal Storm matchup, and these guys like Madison on the edge will do better. I'll tell you one one person I think it might go well this week. You've got, um, I reckon, Ferguson broke his duck this week. You've got Addo Carr, Olin, and Riley Jacks on that side. That's a really good side to be attacking. Um, so that's a, the Mitchell Moses side as well, and the Madison side. Yeah, so... I wouldn't be seeing on a Thursday night for anyone that owns Moses. I'd be sitting, not salivating, but I'd be hoping for a bit of a bounce back and a bit of a dry trap. Yeah, I'm going to be chasing um, a little bit, so I'm actually going to reserve Mitchell Moses, um, and I'm contemplating what to do with Sevo. <laughs> that side of the field that Moses is on, the Moses-Madison side, it does look really, really good as far as who the Storm are going to have in yeah. there. Yeah, I'll tell you what, if you wanted an absolute pod play to catch up, that's probably one of them. No one's going to... No one in their right mind would be seeing anyone um, playing the Storm um, unless it was Teddy. And, and how many people actually did see Teddy last week versus the Storm? Like, you, you would have had a few, but it would have been a, a little bit of reluctance to um, after Teddy's failure. Do you think anyone would, would, would be seeing Moses? I don't think so. I think that kind of, that kind of uh, left-side defence or right-side attacking for Moses. Um, yeah, I, I think there's some potential there for Moses, so uh, not the worst. Where do you sit on starting Sebo if you own him? I mean, I, I think he's he's definitely becoming value. I know that you're not the biggest fan, but he's probably going to be 350k next week to purchase, uh, not against the Storm. So he's definitely going to come into some calculations, just even to throw him for depth. But 
If you own him like I do, only, what would you do? There's only two games left, and there's a storm at the plate at that sort of bank race. I would, mate, if you're not gonna, if you're not going to play him this week, uh, I, I don't. If this was sort of ten weeks ago, I would say, you know, if you don't play him this week, you're holding for the the half decent draw of the next couple of weeks. But you're really kind of sacrificing points this week and and losing time to catch up. So if you're not going to play him this week, to kind of get, get the points elsewhere. You mentioned a left field option of VC is maybe a Moses, which I kind of agree with. Do you see any C options in this one? No, I, I only other VC would be packing using, but it's, it's still the Eels. They've got some half decent. Well, you've got some decent VC options. Um, you've got Madison, you've got Papi Houston, you've got Sido, you've got Brown. But I wouldn't throw off the straight seat anyone here. You'd be insane, wouldn't you? Yeah, I agree. Um, there's a couple of VCs there. I actually have a really good feeling about the Eels. I think that they're going to win. Uh, 13 plus versus Storm. I know that that's a big upset, but uh, I really, I really like them this week, mainly because it's at Bank West, and um, I expect a bit of a bounce yeah. back. Okay, quick one before we move on. Nico Hines. What, what positions can he play? Is he a utility or just uh, in the halves or just fullback? Uh, he can play in the halves as well. He could probably play in centre as well if they wanted him to. So yeah, I, I think that he's really a, a, a utility back. It could be interesting actually because they could try and put Riley Jacks at half and. And him at 5'8", if they really wanted to give him some time. But I think they put a lot of work into Cooper Johns to play in the halves. So well, I'd expect that they'd just be safe. I'm just trying to make sense of the uh, Brandon Smith rotation because you've got Eisenhood, Fetty, and um, uh, Solomon on the bench. He ain't playing more than Doors, Fetty. Vete, whatever. Kiwi French, however you want to pronounce that. Sorry, Andre. <laughs> um, but if you want to, I'm just trying to figure out the rotation. So I reckon this is probably one of the very, very, first, I mean, this is probably the first time Brandon Smith will actually play very, very close to 80 looking at that bench and the makeup of those halves. Yeah, he probably will. Um, there's nobody that's, there's nobody else that's going to be able to go in at hooker. So I, I reckon that he will, especially now they've lost for Nukin and they've got to fill that hole in the middle. Let's move on to the Panthers versus Sharks, mate. We've got no changes from the Panthers. Brian Tuo is named in the reserve, so he might come into calculations for the Sharkies side. There's Talakai named back in the second row, which we'll be talking about, and Josh Dugan's named despite being in doubt. So Sean Johnson obviously had his groin injury. He's been named, so he seems to be okay, which is good news. Probably the number one guy to talk about in this one, though, is Talakai because he's... He's been playing really well, and now he's been named yet again in that second row jersey. I dare say that he's starting to make it his own. Last week, he scored 102 points uh, in his 80 minutes, which was huge. Uh, it did include a try, but he did have 59 in pure base, which is his best pure base performance for this season. And he's coming off the week before that, hitting a 56 with a 50 raw base as well in his 80 minutes. So he's now got four weeks in a row playing a full 80 one of those was at centre, but the other three were on the edge, and it looks like Nakora maybe won't be back anytime soon. He's obviously playing the Panthers this week. Um, one of the unfortunate things is, Billy, that he's now 415k. He does have a slight minus break even, but not by much at a negative three. Um, a few people are trying to scratch their heads and figure out whether they should be going for him or not. Obviously, you can put him at centre wing because he's a dual centre wing second rower, so that's a plus, but... I mean, it's a pretty hefty price tag, and obviously he could lose his spot at some point. But Talakai's the fourth most traded in player at 4.1%. Where do you sit on, on bringing him in this week and his, his outlook? Yeah, I wanted to bring him this week purely because I think after watching him play, as a high work rate, 
um, which is a pretty decent percentage for a quarter. You can punch him down there and, and just leave him there. They've got, they've got a couple of good games coming up, um, obviously, after this week. Uh, Tosman turned around the break-even versus getting him in this week and decided I probably really don't want to miss out on the Lomax and the two of them, so I went with him. But I'll tell you what, yeah, mate, the, the guy's, I was going to say, devastating turn of the football. He doesn't. He's just aggressive and he runs after us. <laughs> <laughs> um, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't um, the core actually healthy last week, so it just sounds to me like he's actually uh, similar to that spot. There's talk that the core was carrying an ankle injury initially, and, you know, he was working his way back from that. But it was a mix of that and also his form. So that he was, Nakora was in, I think, Jersey 20 last week, and he still didn't get back in the side. And now this week again, um, Talakai stayed there. So, yeah, it looks like that he's won the spot. Um, I'm never that confident when a player wins a spot. I know that some guys are really confident because they've won it on merit. But to me, if they've won a spot off someone and it's been a bit of a battle, it does mean that within a couple of weeks they could be dropped again, which is why the... The 415k doesn't sound fantastic to me, but it could work out brilliantly. Yeah, look, I, th- I think he's been a probably a luxury trade at the moment. That one, you, one you can do, given that most people probably have a, an absolutely stacked a full 17 at the moment, or full 18 or 19. You could get him in, and not playing this week, or just playing if you wanted to. I think putting him in that sanitary quarter position is, is really good. I think he's just cemented his spot. The, I mean, the only reason plenty of people probably don't own him uh, right now is the fact that he probably looked like a trap a couple of weeks ago. That the way he's been running, the way he's been playing, he's probably played himself into a role. So whether or not you got him a couple of weeks ago out of luck or desperation, or you just seen him before and thought he was an absolute weapon, um, yeah, looks looks like he's cemented his sort of spot for me. So I would just get him. If, if you had to call in all the, all the, all the spots for it. Yeah, I, I, I'm neither here nor, nor there on him. I think you can get him or you can or you can miss him. It's just sort of team dependent. I'm, I'm going to miss him, but I couldn't begrudge anyone from jumping on. He's been playing fantastic footy. On the uh, Panther side of things, Appy Coruscant is the other guy that's in sort of the top 10 most traded in at the moment, and we've talked about him at nauseam, so we'll, we'll leave him. But shout out to just quickly a couple of guys in the um, in the back line that are looking at uh, as options. One of the things to remember with this matchup with the Sharks versus Panthers is that the Panthers absolutely blitzed them um, about six weeks ago. I think they put 44 or 48 points on them, but they put like 24 points on in 24 minutes. They absolutely killed it. Attack was on fire. Um, Josh Mansour had a great game on the weekend. He scored 75 points without a try. Uh, that included a try assist, and he's at the 460k mark. People were buying him last week. He looks really good. Um, but uh, Crichton, who I've spoken about a few times, he's getting some love at the moment, and people are starting to ask some questions about whether they should buy him. He actually broke his try-scoring streak last week, really. Had a score to try every week since round five, which we said last week. Uh, but this last round versus the Warriors, he actually managed to not get a try. And he still scored 68 points. Playing against his Sharks side, he actually scored a double against them and put 115 points on career super coach high against them back in round nine. So he's looking really, really good. I can't get him out of principle. <laughs> I missed the boat and just wanted him to fail. But yeah, 68 points in base or whatever it was without a try, it's kind of hard to ignore. I wouldn't get him this week purely because it's the Sharks. I, I think they've got, if you really want him, I'd get him sort of next week. I'm not going to do it just out of pure principle, but I'll tell you what, he'd be, if you didn't own him, he'd be one of, the, one of the people you'd be concerned about, and I'm still concerned about him because I've held on to Mansour for that run, but I don't know if he's actually going to see much forward in inside him still. Uh, we're getting sick of the uh, cutting jerks, but, but it's beyond <laughs> the joke now. The guy just doesn't know how to pass. 
Well, that's fine for me as an owner for Stephen Crichton. 115 points he threw up in round nine. He might even be a sneaky VC in this if you think that the Panthers are going to put on a heap of points again against the Sharkies. They do match up really well with them. Do you see the Panthers putting it on the Sharkies uh, again like they did back in round nine, or you think that the Sharks are kind of on their way up again? Oh, I think the Sharks will bounce back. Um, you, you look at the um, Panthers, mate. They um, they struggle to put points on the Warriors twice, so it doesn't matter who that. They they could belt storm by twenty points and uh, lose to the Titans by twenty points, mate. They're just such a high volatile, high vol, highly volatile team when it comes to you know, turning on and turning off. You can't take it away from eight straight or nine straight, whatever it is. Um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be backing them to um, break break a streak just just yet, mate. But I'll tell you what, I'm sure that I'm sure they haven't got too many more here before that streak ends. Yeah, they weren't that convincing against the Warriors last weekend, but I tell you who was, Nathan Cleary scored 92 points still, and he's now got 92, 88, and 138. He's got a three-round average of 106, a five-round average of 96. Now, I was looking at him as a VC option, but he is very much a C option every week at the moment, and I wouldn't begrudge at Panther Stadium to, to throw it on against the Sharkies either. Yeah, they've got, a, uh, they've got a big fan base, fan base out there. They um, don't muck around. So a team that's won, what, that's won nine in a row that's playing at home with an inform half. Um, I wouldn't be too concerned about it, mate. He, he, his third best score that he's ever scored for Supercoach was against the Sharkies at 139 points, which is huge. He also put up 79 points against them in that round nine thrashing that they had, and he's obviously coming into some big form. So... He's performed well against the Sharks in the past. Um, I, I'm going to be considering him as a, a C or a VC option. Definitely one of the two. Uh, I really, really like him for this matchup. Uh, I think that the uh, the Panthers are going to have a bit of a bounce back to form. I don't think they played that well against the Warriors. I think they're going to play well this one. So I'm looking forward to all my Panthers playing, and I reckon that they're going to go double-digit winners at least. But, Billy, what about someone on the other side like Sean Johnson? Do you think the Sharks are going to put up enough points for... For SJ to still score pretty well coming up against Cleary? Uh, the, only, the, only real, the only real black in that side that I would be interested in owning is the, the ones we've already talked about, SJ and the um, uh, SJ, SJ and the Talakai. And, yeah, I'd, I'd still be banking on um, on young Maiden to sort of put put, some, put, some, put more points on than what SJ does. Yep. Uh, let's move on to the Broncos versus Dragons. So with this one, we've got Anthony Milford back. He's starting at 5'8 in place of Brodie Croft. Jordan Carr, who comes in and scored for his first game in 2020, obviously Payne Haas is suspended, so we'll be talking about him. He's gone for two weeks. Flegler's gone with his shoulder. So Joe O and Rex Kennedy start prop, and we've got Bullimore and Hopalati on the interchange bench. Now, the Dragons side of things, um, they've just got the one change, Sailor's out and replaced by Paul Vaughan. On this Broncos side, though, I mean, before we even get to the players, just looking at the side, the bench is uh, Corey Pax, Jordan Ricky, Ethan Bullimore, and Jamil Hopalati. That's one of the worst benches I've seen anyone put up all year. Um, their forward pack that's meant to be their strength has got Joe O and Reese Kennedy as their starting props and Ben Teo in the back row. And that's without even looking at their back line. Uh, I, this this Bronco side looks absolutely shot for this matchup. I think it'll be a good VC option there, somewhere in there. <laughs> we do need to talk. Talk about Talk about Talking about top of the ship, surely they're faking the injuries and going down just to get out of the out, get out of the smudgings. Oh, it must be why they're going to pubs and drinking and stuff. They just don't, they don't want to be playing footy, that's for sure. 
talk about one of them though, and that's Payne Haas. Um, he played really well on the weekend, scored 93 points, but he's now out for two weeks. Uh, he is the most traded out player on market watch. 11% of coaches are trading him out already. Um, I kind of understand why, but I have a bit of a differing opinion to the masses. So I've seen a lot of people basically say you have to trade him out. Uh, and that's that's been rampant online, and it's obviously rampant on the trade market with so many trading him out. He's 612k, so you can obviously use that pretty well. Um, I'm actually going to hold him, though. And the reason I'm holding him is, like I said last week, my trades are starting to get pretty low because I've been having so many injuries. Uh, I've only got eight trades left. Uh, I can't afford to just trade a paint pass and trading back in in two weeks' time and, and use two of my eight trades to do that. And I don't really see the point because I've got the depth in my squad now. So certainly two months ago I would have done that. Uh, but now that I'm one less on trades and two have the depth to cover him anyway, um, I don't really see much of it as an issue to just to just hold him. So I I understand if somebody's got like 14 trades and they just want to get rid of him and use the money and get him back in later, yeah, cool, I get it. But for those that don't have many trades or don't need to trade him, um, I, I don't think people should be rushing to do it either. Yeah, the only difference there is, like, if you're relying on someone like Rudolph, and he some, somehow he chucks up another 45 for the next two weeks, as opposed to, um, you know, buying a claim or something that gives you a 70. Then, you know, the difference between 45 and the 70, you know, what's that, you know, 50 points over a couple of weeks. But what, what, are the, what are the odds that, you know, Rudolph's going to chuck 45 two weeks in a row? Um, sure, he's going to go back to sort of 60 minutes or 50, 50 minutes. So there's some good. There's some decent courage there. I think the only problem would be is if you're still relying on someone like General Brown who's only going to give you 30 or 35 points, that would be the reason why I'd be sort of selling us. Yeah, and that makes total sense. I mean, if you had the, the Rudolph play, I mean, I'd just sell Rudolph and try and, you know, upgrade him to someone. But, I mean, like, I've got Takiaho, Payne Haas, and um, also Paulo. And then a lot of people have got Carrigan in the back row that they can probably switch up as well to play, to play front row forward. So... I just wouldn't sell him if I had two decent starting props. Yeah, I'm um, agreeing with you. While you're on that subject, what, what happened to TK last week? I know, I know it was a storm, so he didn't really sort of get any sh- shots at goal. And you've obviously got a Funningham back this week, which throws a major spatter in the works there. But um, what, what was his minutes last week? Was he still a viable option? He played 60 minutes. It was so sort of... Yeah, like he didn't play 80, but I mean, uh, I think we said going into last week, I wouldn't expect 80, and he played it, which was gravy. But the week before, when we were talking about him against the Gold Coast, he, he played 62. So it wasn't too dissimilar. As long as he's played 60s, he's fine, and he played 60 minutes in a storm smash up, still scored 57 points, um, and only had the one kick at goal. So, so yeah, now that, now that Flanagan is back, and that is purely because of the Roosters' injury woes, Flanagan gets the, the reprieve and it does take the kicking away from Takiyaho. So he's probably not as um, not as attractive as what he was since Flanagan's been recalled because he's he's still going to play well, like, but he's not going to have that goal kicking. That's the only problem. I'd be spewed, wouldn't you? Imagine, imagine training and you're thinking, oh, you play at eight and all of a sudden he doesn't kick the goal for 60 minutes and then goes back to losing the goal kicking game. He's <sighs> would you? I got him three weeks ago, so I can't be too filthy. Like sixty nine, ninety two, fifty seven. It's, it's a three man average of seventy three. He's still going to play well. Like I don't think owners that have him should be unhappy. Um, but if you're looking at trading Haas out, I probably wouldn't go Takiyaho because he's he's now not got the goal kicking, and I think that sort of throws him below the line of, of some of those other options for Haas. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So having a look at uh, one other 
Bronco very quickly. David Fafita is still being talked about quite a bit. Um, I'm seeing people going harsh to David Fafita through Jules. I still don't like it. I think that in a worse forward pack, he, he's going to go worse, not better. Um, but let's just not look at this Bronco side anymore because they just look really bad. Let's talk a bit about the Dragons. So the Dragons look like they they beat your Eels last week and they played quite well and they look like they could be in for a really good game this week. Do you think they're going to put on some points or what against this Broncos side? So? Uh, I'm seeing Lomax. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Lomax is uh, someone that you're bringing in. So, I mean, you finally bit the bullet yeah. and and just gone. Nah, I'm going to pay six hundred grand and I'm going to bring him in. I I just can't pay the six hundred k because it's too much of an upgrade. I don't want to find two hundred grand and do that sort of upgrade in centre wing. But geez, the next few weeks it's going to hurt me. It's so you're definitely set. You're bringing him in. He's, he's the reason why I keep falling behind each week because no, no matter what centre score I have to play, it's been a combination of uh, Ikuvalu who scores forty and then Lanark scores ninety six or one hundred and two, and then uh, the following week, you know. Ikivalu goes to right side wing first of the Titans, and I think oh, here we go, he's going to score 300 here. And then it pisses down Rand, he scores 40 or 23 with a, with a HIA, and then Lomax does another 65. Like every single week, I just keep, just keep killing me no matter who I put there. So it's time to just nullify that and stop stop getting good score, only to be outdone by 50 points. We are people who are getting the same team plus Lomax and, and, and Kirkman. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you bring him in because I reckon you're going to kill him. And he's going to go like a three-round average of 45 points the next three rounds. So well, it's a nice little... Don't care. Don't care. <laughs> Don't care. All, all, all it means is no one will be able to outscore me anymore. That's <laughs> all. Well, he's, he's averaging 69 points for the year, but he's gone 65 three-round average and 76 five-rounds. So he's just been killing it. It's It's been really hard to watch as a non-owner. Completely get you bring him in. Let's talk about the uh, the Triple D though, the Dirty Dragons duo. Uh, these guys are massive pods, but I couldn't not look at them because of this matchup. Looking at the back line, that's Jordan Pereira on one wing and the Ravioli himself, Ravalawa on the other. Jordan Pereira has just quietly got a, a three-round average of 62. Uh, he's only 406k with a break-even of 16. He's gone 86 last game. And that was without a try. Had, I think, 12 tackle breaks in that game against the Eels. 47 against the Roosters a week before. 53 against Souths a week before that. None of them have a try. I don't think any of them even have a line break. Um, has gone really well with his base attack. He's got a raw base of 30, which is pretty decent for a winger. Look at this Broncos side. He he looked like he could be a real pot option. He's you know less than 1% ownership. Um, and he's also got the Gold Coast Titans and the Cowboys following up from this game. So he's one of the, he's half the, the Dirty Dragons duo. The other half is uh, Ravalawa, and he's really, really filthy. But when you're looking at pods, sometimes if you're looking for a two or three week run, like we said, if they don't cost anything and they might put up some points for you to chase, it can work. Um, he's sub 400, just under 400k. He's going to be 24, and he's coming off uh, 92 uh, points against the Eels. He did that with a double, and he's the opposite of Pereira. He's not a base guy. His raw base is only 25, and his base attack isn't great, but he's an absolute try scorer. So in his last four games, he scored four tries. Uh, only one of those four, he didn't score a try. In his last eight games, he's only got three games that he hasn't scored a try, 
and it, it just goes on. He's actually only got four games all year that he's not gone over the stripe. His numbers going over the stripe aren't great, Billy. A lot of them are still in the 50s. Um, he's got a 96 to his name and a 92 to his name now for the year, both from scoring doubles. But he does look like he could score a double this week against the Broncos. This, these wingers, like they're filthy, but the way the Dragons are playing with the draw and playing the Broncos, as just a rotation winger, he's a fifth or sixth if you've got the cash in the trade. I honestly think that it's a, it's an extreme pod play. I wouldn't be surprised if it paid off though this week. Yeah, it's a shame you can't um, switch sides with the wingers. Um, obviously, right side the devastating side, the Lomax inside, uh, Rabalawa. Um, but obviously, the um, Pereira's for the base on the left, like, like you said, but they just can't get left. But they, they haven't really done so since the Widdit Wid- left. They just don't have that sweep anymore. So, um, yeah, it's a tough one, dude. I think, um, think Rabalawa. He did it seems to be growing a beard out of anger just to just to make him just to look like Sammy mate. He's um I tell you what, does he does he run like him though? He, he, he looks angry when he runs lately. Yeah, I'm not sure which way to go. Where where do you hope go to the right side and hope he's big score this week or go to a high base on on a side where you're not really getting as much ball and third point runs. Yeah, it, I would probably go Ravalawa, um, just because I want that high upside trade. I mean look, I think the next three weeks he's gonna score a try every game. Um, so I think that he's, he's a 50 minimum, like he's four or 50. I think he's getting his try line break. Even though he doesn't have good base, one of the things is though, as a winger, he doesn't throw out a 10 or anything. Like he's not a Milford that's going to give you a 10 or a hammer 11 point score. Um, he's got a 25 there, but all the rest of his scores are thirties. So he's not going to be the worst AE in the world if you had to leave him there. And I'm actually thinking about it just for this next three weeks. I won't play him after that for the last three weeks. He can probably just sit there and rot. But just for the tries, yeah, a double this week against the Broncos. Jeez, it looks on. I tell you what, sports bet dollar sixty eight. I think he was to score a try, and that's that's way too much value. He's going over for sure. Yeah, mate. I'm yeah, no. I'm sitting in nodding my head out of, out of tiredness, but also in agreement. <laughs> I'm thinking that the Dragons are going to go 20 plus winners in this I really do though. I was impressed with them last week and they obviously beat the Eels who are right up there and this Broncos side I think on paper is the worst one that I've seen all year Haas is their best forward and he's not even there do you think that the Broncos are going to make this competitive at all it is at Suncorp they scored first try last week they did the Dragons who were sort of hot and cold. They go, they go hot for a couple of games and, they, and then, do, then do nothing. I think they're due for nothing again, but <laughs> it's, mate, it's the worst team in history with the Broncos. So I don't think the Dragons are going to go and chuck 50 on them, but I'll tell you what, I think they're sort of uh, they're, they're slow out of the box and then they sort of come home strong and still put sort of 25 on, 20 to 25 on it in the final game. And would, you said Lomax is your VC option. He's probably the only one there. Would you consider? Yeah. Would you consider going Lomax just a straight C though, considering the matchup? Uh, no, I, I, I don't think he's high enough. I think he, like, he'll, he'll score. He seems to score around sort of forty-five to fifty-five, just just being on a park and kicking, kicking a couple of goals at, at the beginning of the year. Now that the Dragons are on a bit of a rise, they probably expect sort of sixty-five off him um, when, when they put some points on the ponies. He's really going to have to have uh, uh, go over the line or, or put rather lower uh, over the line to get that sort of 80, 80, 80, 85 score. So I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to bank on that. Yeah, fair enough. 
Oh, at minimum, I'll be betting on Ravalawa to score this week and possibly first try as well. I think it's about nine bucks. Titans vs Raiders is the next one. So for the Titans changes, Jai Arrow's the only one that's really relevant. There's a lot of other guys moving around, but they're not super case relevant. Um, Arrow looks like he might be out for the season, which which is really bad, but he's just had a terrible super coach season. Photo Waker shifts to lock, so if you do own Photo Waker, that's probably going to help him. Um, and Proctor's name, but we've got the judiciary going at the moment, so we've got no idea what's going on with old Choppy there. We'll know a bit later. For the Raiders, they have no changes, so that's not surprising. John Bateman is the guy to talk about first up. He's currently the second most traded in player. He's only 7% owned at the moment, so, I mean, he's still going to be relatively low owned. It's... I, I couldn't have made a better trade last week than getting in John Bateman. 95 points against the Broncos. Scored his lineback try like we said he would against the Broncos' weak edge that they always let in other edges. And I, I put I put a bet on where he's $3.30 to score any time. Uh, I was up at the pub getting pissed, and I put on a um, first try score for Kotrick, which I missed. But then I put on a Bateman to score any time and Raiders to win, and I got that. So happy days all around for the Johnny Bateman trade-in. I can't... Recommend him enough, Billy, even with a 93 BE coming up against a Gold Coast Titans edge. He's just as likely to do exactly the same thing as last week and score 95. Um, it's, it, you didn't end up getting him last week, I don't think, did you? Yeah, you did. He was the, uh, he was, the, yeah, yeah, he, he, was the, he was the one I wasn't going to miss, but he had a high break even that just didn't want to miss him. He was, he was, I can't remember, remember, remember if he was 350 or 330. I, I think he was 350 for a try at any time. Um, as usual, I got a bit greedy, but I chucked a country first try score into eight and had one, but I think I scored about six other Raiders as well. That, that, that is real cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, John Bateman looks like a great, a great one for this week. Um, and it should be, well, it's, you're talking about trading him in. I mean, Huss to Bateman is a, is a pretty good trade if you need to do that through Jules. And he's, Someone that I think that you could just throw the straight C on as a bit of a port option. Because like we said, he's having 7% teams in the moment. After the trade-ins and stuff, maybe he goes up to 15%. But as a captaincy against the Gold Coast Titans edge, you know, you're going to get that option as well by getting him in. Yeah, I don't think the Titans are as bad as the uh, ponies at the moment. I think they could sort of turn off and play some half-decent footy or throw it around and just try to give the outside back some room to actually do something. So... Um, I'd be a little bit concerned about them to do a straight C on Bateman, but on the flip side, I don't think he scores well enough to be a BC option, so I'm actually going to pass on him to both. Okay, fair enough. If I had to chase, especially the head-to-head guys, I mean, if you were chasing and you needed a, a different C option, Bateman's probably the guy that I'd go for. On the halves side of things, I've got Luke Keary there that I had for a few weeks run. He went okay for a couple, and then he killed me in the last one. There's people with other halves as well that they might want to get rid of. Um, I'm looking at this Raiders halves pairing, and initially I looked at Whiten again. I've looked at him for a couple of weeks. He's just not good enough. Uh, I can't look at him at all. He's thrown up a 40 last week against the Broncos, and he just really hasn't been scoring great at all. On that flip side, though, George Williams is now coming to calculations as a buy. He's been, in uh, at the moment, ninth most traded in player. So guys are obviously bringing him back after selling him. He threw up 96 points against the Broncos. That included a try. Uh, obviously, he's going to go up against the Gold Coast Titans, who are very susceptible to uh, running halves, especially. And he's only 397k. 
I've got to admit, Dilly, that I'm I'm considering the buyback option after a couple of months, purely because of the, the Gold Coast and the Bulldogs <laughs> the next couple of weeks. And then even after they eat the Roosters in round 17, we've spoken about the Raiders draw, you know, they've got the Dragons, the Warriors and the Sharks they finish on. So coming off a of 96, um, if you're desperate for a half, and obviously you've got the big three of, you know, the or the big two of Cleary and SJ and Munster's out, you know, would, would George Williams, should he be in calculation? Should people be looking at him this week? Yeah, I can't believe I was actually looking at him myself earlier. Only, only for a, a desperate option to not play Luai, but I just couldn't pull the trigger in the end. I just kind of figured, you know what, just play and hope and use the coin wisely for next week. But I'll tell you what, it's certainly an out for next week, so for, for this week, if you had to play Luai or avoid our Munster, but I couldn't do it with any confidence. Yeah, I, I get people doing it because you're going to have a lot of games that you can play him on. I mean, the the problem that I will point out is when he's played the harder teams, he hasn't done well, um, and that's that's been the case yeah. this year. Uh, and then it, he does have um, the Roosters in a couple of weeks when they they should be stronger. Maybe they're not though, and he goes well. But he does have a lot of other lower scores as well, like a 24 against the Panthers two weeks ago, just before he's 96, and he's 29 versus South in round 11. So his floor's just that little bit too low, but if people need to do it out of necessity, like you said, Billy, yeah, I, I can't really begrudge him for it. Yeah, there's certainly ways to climb the ladder, but there's also ways to spiral out of, out of control and drop 2,000 spots to the leap, and this is what a classic example. <laughs> Well, uh, I'm going to be remiss if I don't just give a shout-out at least to my boy, Kotrick, who was gathering dust for five weeks, not playing, and then I threw him in and got almost a ton out of him with his two tries. So I I did, I actually got the update, so he went up to 102 points with his two tries, and he had about 12 tackle breaks as well. He's 366k, breaking into 14. I'm just glad that I had him there just to throw in as a play, but I'm going to be playing him for a couple of weeks until he hits the Roosters game. Um, I expect him to get at least one try this week and get to the Titans as well. He's probably not a buy, but he did look a lot better on the weekend because he was running a bit more and getting a lot more tackle breaks. He might have that confidence up to do that against the Titans, and then he's, his new club, the Bulldogs, is a week after. So it's certainly a good three-week run for him. Yeah, it's all, mate. Just, why, why, why do you get someone on the run? Just, just, just ride the wave. Boy. Never going to be a really long ride, is it? No, it's not, and he'll probably come thudding back to earth in seventeen, eighteen versus the Roosters and Dragons. But nonetheless, yeah. the next the next couple of good. If you had a heap of trades left um, and you needed centre wings to come in for a couple of weeks to play, I, I wouldn't begrudge someone going a Cotrick for two weeks. You know, probably make forty grand out of it and just trade him out for around seventeen. I, I think that'd be okay if you had a heap of trades. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure I would do it for forty grand. I'd probably do it for something a little bit more, but. Well, you're not up for the points. Most, most, most scores, but uh, if you look at it, he, he had his game last week, but like, um, I think he had an ab- absolute crack at him, but it wasn't it wasn't too much involvement. It was just kind of, you know, four we over one for a couple. Um, I'm not sure I could buy him for a potential 40, 40 points and, and, and 40k. I'd much rather still a game too, if he was somewhere in the so I can maximize today. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because there's... Um, the reason why these guys are relevant is because there's a lot of teams that have to make a trade to a centre wing in particular that's going to be between sort of a you know a, a minimum to a 400k price point. There's a lot of people that don't have the cash to do much else, so that's why guys I think like Pereira, uh, Ravalara, and Kotrick come into calculations for a couple of weeks when people don't have the cash to go. 
a low max is almost double Quattrick's price and so forth. I think that there's some people that just need a spot starter. And that's the only reason I kind of mentioned some of these guys. I, I mean, one of the things that we're going to get to is Avarillo has been named on the bench, so he's absolute cancer to hold at the moment, and he's about 360k. So if you need to just swap Avarillo out and just have someone that's playable and you don't have any bank, um, I think that's when the you know the Ravalawa pod plays or Kotrick yeah. pod plays for two weeks kind of come into it. Yeah, mate, you've got to do some sorts of cameos here and there just just to, keep, just to make it interesting for yourself. Number one, keep the same of the year, and, um, yeah, just try and climb a few spots. So how many points are the Raiders going to win by against the Titans this week, Billy? Uh, I got 16. 16. I, I was impressed with the Raiders last week. Um, I think that they're going to probably win by a little more, but maybe 16 is a good good number. I'll go with that. Uh, Tigers versus Roosters is that Saturday game. So with this one... We don't have a huge amount of changes for the Tigers in the 17, but Twell and McKaylee are coming back soon. It might be this weekend. We need to double-check because they're in 18 and 19 jerseys. For the Roosters, Brett Morris is back. Um, Hargraves is back. Uh, that means that Christian uh, Tupelotu is gone off the wing. I've seen a lot of people trading him in. He's in the top 10 most traded in. Uh, I'd be getting him out. He's not going to be playing. Uh, obviously, Luke Keary and Lachlan Lamb, both halves, are gone, which means Hutchison and Kyle Flanagan are back in. There's a hooker on the bench now for Jake Friend, which is interesting, Freddie Lussick. It's probably going to be more relevant for draft players, but it does mean that uh, Jake Friend's not going to be getting 90, uh, 80 minutes, and he shouldn't be playing 80 minutes. He just can't do it anymore. So I'd expect Freddie Lussick to probably get 20 and, and Friend to get a rest now. It's an interesting matchup this one, Billy, um, because the Tigers were back to form last week, um, and there's probably only one Tiger to mention, and that is Nofaluma with 134 points. Um, if there's anything that you can say that's disappointing about 134, it's probably that he was on 88 and about 25 minutes in, but you can't you can't whinge about 134 though. Mate, the Tigers are a surprise target. They they've been putting some points and they can absolutely leak it too. They're the hit and miss. Like it's got it's guys like you know sort of Gar, Benji Marshall, Luke Brooks that can that can score just as well as Nofa and then put the brakes on uh, just, just as quickly, mate. I think the only day two in here I'd sort of bank it would, would be you know if they had if they had their hooker back, you know, yeah, young Grant, which he's not. So take him out of the equation and you know, sort of Nofa and um, uh, Luciano who just seem to be playing well at the moment. Yeah, Lucy, like, I thought I was so smart having him starting for a four-week run and selling him two weeks ago, and now I just feel like an absolute idiot because he's just, he got another 86 points on the weekend. He's gone great. I don't want to talk about him at all, so let's just leave him, but let's talk a bit about Nofo. Nofo is in the most top 10 training players. Um, I completely get it. I thought he was a big training last week, which we spoke about. We thought that he was going to score tries against the Dogs. He did, 134 points. We thought, oh, I actually said, oh, I argue he's a pod captaincy last week, and he ended up being great. I wish I'd put the captaincy on him. But I'm going to play a bit of devil's advocate here. Oh, I think that there's a chance that he starts to go down a little bit. So I, I've had him for a few weeks now, um, and I've been happy enough to keep him for that. But I was always eyeing off this, this, this run, now, from this week onwards, the Tigers play the Roosters, Panthers, Manly, Souths, Storm, and Eels. And, you know, only um, half of those are at home. The other half of them are away as well. That's not a good run home at all. In fact, out of all the teams, the Tigers probably have the, the toughest run home. So, I mean, 
if you wanted to get David Nofaluma for last week when he's played the Bulldogs, I, I 100% we supported it. But would you think twice about it this week a little bit with the run and the, the 620k price tag? Oh, yeah. Um, I think um, one of the uh, one of the podcasts out there has tried to check reasons for selling so they've never felt at the moment. That, that would be 100% the reason. The, um, the draw at his, at his price point and trying to use that elsewhere. Um, wouldn't be the worst player in the world to sell that far purely because of that draw and then try to take advantage of him, maybe sort of not scoring a try in the next few weeks. But if you look at his base, he's still got a bunch of the 40 points and runs each week. And well, just because it's the Tigers, it doesn't mean they're not going to score. They're still going to put some points on. Yeah, I mean, the silver lining is that Manly and South might not be that strong for those matchups as well, um, and susceptible to some points. He did only put up 40 points against the Panthers last game. Um, so he's got them and the Roosters the next two weeks. I definitely wouldn't be selling him. Um, I'd, I'd just be, I guess, a little wary of if I was going to buy him, that maybe for the last, at least the last two weeks, I might have to sell him for those um, finals weeks in the head-to-heads when he plays the Eels and the um, and the Storm, I guess. Yeah, mate, yeah. Yeah, agreed, buddy. Um, my Roosters, James Tedesco... He's gone down with a thud. He had another subpar week last week by his standards, but he still scored 67. But, you know... It, yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty shocking when you expect 167 for a bloke and you only throw 67, but you're happy with that from anyone else. <laughs> There's people that have been jumping off him a little bit. His ownership's gone down a couple of percent, um, which... I find it interesting because he's got the Tigers and Broncos the next two. But, you know, the Tigers are his ex-club. So, I mean, I'm expecting a, a good score this week against Teddy. I, I don't think that he can go, you know, 53, 80, 47 and 67. And what is now a total of eight games in a row without a try and just keep going on that route. Like, surely he's got to get a try this week against the Tigers and that gets him to that sort of 90 to 100 mark. Yeah, the only thing I do like about that too is the fact that finding him back, so you're not going to have uh, rookie, rookie half throw behind him again. Um, you've got a little bit of sort of forward power back, and you've got Morris on the right. So I think the fact that Kiri is out also helps him. Maybe they go like a little, a little bit more to the um, to the non non rookie, which or or even if they if they do go left. Maybe they serve Teddy a bit more at the back rather than waiting on Kiri to throw a grabber or throw a cut out pass to uh, no one again. So I um I, I think Tedesco gets uh, a lot more opportunity this week, um, as well as being drive track and play his um his old club mate. So I think there's certainly some significant value there and I'm bouncing in and bounce back very quickly. Yeah, and despite the fact that the Tigers can put on points, they don't defend that great. So he he, he could still lose this week. And I'm not as confident in the Roosters these days because they've been putting up a, a lot of injuries. Like last week, losing both halves and Orbo for probably the rest of the season just really sucks. But I, I'm still not going to be thinking that anyone should be selling Teddy. And I'm still confident they're going to put on points even if they lose. Do you see Teddy as a captaincy option against the Tigers defence? Or do you think the people should be laying off now a little bit? Teddy would be a captaincy option against anyone any any day of the week. I mean, it's just it's just because of his form lately. He's kind of slumped a little bit and scared people off a bit. But I think yeah, I think you need to remember he's back to full health. It's not it's not a, a 
track where he's still sliding in anywhere. He's got his half back, um, and he's got one less half on the left hand side just to say, look, he'll, he'll be relied on a little bit more in attack, plus it's his old club mate. So, I, uh, I think he's uh, 100% in the, in the uh, DC or C option. Either, either, either would it be good? Yep, I'm going to be considering him for sure. Um, Brett Morris returning is interesting. He's, he's 680k. Which is really expensive, but he's going to be 148, so he's going to be going down quite a bit shortly. Against the Broncos, he scored 114 points back in round four. Um, that was in the number one jersey, but I dare say the Broncos are worse at the moment than what they were then, even though they won 59 nil. That's next week. Obviously, the Tigers this week. So he's someone that I got my eye on. He's going to be a pricey one, but he has shown a penchant to score a lot of points this year. So definitely a watch. I'm probably not going to be able to afford him in the end, but um, he's the other one that I'm watching keenly this week, Billy. Yeah. But what did you say the draw was um, post, post next week? Again. So after Tigers, they got Bronx next week, uh, and then they hit Canberra, and then they hit the Knights, the Sharks, and the South Sydney Rapidos. Well, I would be too concerned about that. Like we said, like we said before, smaller, smaller sample size—not not smaller sample size, small, smaller game, smaller game size, smaller average run. I think it'd be fine. So, who's going to win this one, Billy? You, you tell me, because I've been disappointed lately with all the injuries. I don't want to curse us. I think I think the boys will bounce back from this one, mate. All right, I'll take your word for it. Any time, try Tedesco. He's going to get one. It's been a couple of months. Rabbitohs versus Seagulls. This one, we've got uh, Liam Knight out, uh, replaced by Bailey Sirinan, so people that have held him might get to play him for 80, potentially. Um, Jack Johns comes onto the bench. We now have the Seagulls with more injuries. Really unfortunate for them. Brendan Elliott's out for the season with an ACL. Ruben Garrett goes to fullback. Um, George Field, who has dropped, is back. They do get Marty to power back, which is good, so Javoyevich goes back to lock. And then we've got a couple of other guys that aren't too relevant. So this is an interesting one, Billy. I mean, on the South Sydney side of things, there isn't a huge amount of interesting uh, players at the moment. I was thinking about a Damien Cook trade-in for uh, Harry Grant. But Harry Grant now looks like he might be back next week. So I'm not too sure. And obviously, Cook's not been going too well. But this Manly side's definitely not been going too well. So it could be points for South Sydney this week. Did you just say the goalkeeper's down back to fullback? Which I thought was interesting for the Eagles, um, but the problem is that uh, Travojevic is meant to be due back uh, round 17, supposedly, so it might only be a two-week cameo, but Ruben Yarrick is around that 350k mark, and he's fullback and goalkeeping. I think the new fact to move to fullback, he's one of those sort of fun options you can chuck in there. Yeah, I definitely had a look at him. Um, he, he might be good for a couple week run. I'll tell you what, if it was a, a draft team that I had, I'd be running to the waiver wire to, to grab um to grab him up now that he's fullback. So the sub position a lot a lot better than others. Although from memory he doesn't have the same sort of work rate at fullback. I'd have to go back and have a look at the stats, but surely he's a lot better than what he would be otherwise. Yeah, he's better at fullback. He's fielded there before quite well. I don't really I'm not really interested in in any of these South guys. I have to say um, I've really gone off in the last couple of weeks. Is there any guys here that you're uh, interested in seeing or, or even considering buying in the next week or two? I, I, I'm just trying out a couple of pod plays, and that would be sort of you know, C Cook or BC Cook or maybe even uh, getting into the Cherry Evans. He, he, he's sort of like you could throw on a massive score on his day, so maybe have a look at Jaw and if he's with a couple at home in the last of it, sort of couple of rounds versus some volatile teams. Um, he, he's a, yeah, a pod play you could use and pray for a massive one. 
Probably a shout out for you as well, Billy. Is that you mentioned Jake Travoy, which was um, was doing a bit better in the last couple of weeks, and he scored a seventy seven again on the weekend. Um, so he's a guy to maybe have a sneaky look at. He's gone 77, 90, 94, 72, and 66 for a five-round rolling average of 80 and a three-round rolling average of 87. And he's got a 632k price tag now. He's kind of gone under the radar now. Um, he started to get a little bit of a tax, some offloads and so forth. He's he's definitely become an option. And Jake Trevojevic is now, Jake Trevojevic is now in 22% of teams, but he's been more heavily owned than that before. And that's half as much as what someone like Peyton Haas is, is owned by. Yeah, mate, he's certainly playing a lot better than what he has, what he has been. Um, unfortunately, he's only like, what, that second row, not, not, not front row, so I'm not sure how much value Addy has, um, unless you've got coverage in the front row. Um, I don't see him throwing a massive time. I think his days of doing that are not long gone, but just, I think he still really needs his brother there for that, so I'm going to pass on him, I think, much. Given he's only at the hub or the second row, I, I would much rather go on um, someone like uh, Tony Harris, who I think is due and just easily punches the, the 70 75 at least without scoring any sort of clutch. So, and that, that, uh, that's got some good games coming up too. Yep, fair enough. I mean, Gervais had a, a good month of footy. If he continues that, he's going to end up finishing as one of the better front, uh, second row forwards to own. But is there other options? Um, I'm not really big on this game. I don't think there's a huge amount of great options, but there's a chance that the Rabbitohs can put on points, so I'd be playing all of my Rabbits players. Uh, how do you think this one's going to end up, Billy? I think Manly gets two points. Wow, be cool. I'm going to go for uh, the Rabbits to be 10-point winners with how the Seagulls are playing lately. Bulldogs-Warriors is the next one. Not quite a blockbuster, but it is some footy on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, we've got Will Hoppalati back for the Bulldogs. That's going to be great news for them. Uh, Meany's back to the wing because of that. We've got uh, Marshall King replacing Katoa at nine. Just quietly, he had a really good game last week. Uh, because of the changes, um, we've got Avarillo on the bench, which isn't good for his owners. He needs to be sold immediately for the Warriors side of things. Herbert tore his hamstring at training uh, today. That's really bad news for the Warriors. They've had such a bad run with injuries. Uh, Katoa is suspended, so he's someone who has to go right now as well. He, he already pretty much did last week when he was going to bleed some cash. Jazz Tavag is probably the main guy that's been traded in and we've been talking about. Uh, he's the most relevant guy. Obviously, you've mentioned Tohu Harris too. He's the other guy. Tohu Harris we've spoken about a bit. Jazz, I'm still not too sold on. I just want to go to a minutes watch with him. He only ended up playing 37 minutes on the weekend. Um, and I think he got knocked around a little bit and stuff, but I don't actually think that he got really injured. So 37 minutes and 49 minutes the last two weeks. It is an absolute miracle that he could score 56 points in 37 minutes on the weekend. Yeah, uh, this is the reason why we said, I didn't say not to buy him, but we kind of had a feeling like massive PGM at the moment, but unless you get more than 50 minutes, you, you just don't have to, you just can't just cut your legs out from around here. Yeah, it's. I would. I would not be feeling good about owning him at the moment. I certainly wouldn't be buying him, guys. Um, Tohu Harris is an option, like Billy said. Obviously, no, no captaincy or vice captaincy options that you're seeing in this one. Nah, nah. Probably the only. Uh, I'd like to say Moneyball, but uh, Moneyball's not there. The other only other draft option I'll quickly give a shout out to is Isaiah Papali'i. He's back at starting second row. Um, he's had very few starts this year, but. 
Playing on an edge is going to be better for him. He scored 49 points there in round seven, which isn't great, but it's salvageable. Any draft, obviously, you're going to be getting him off the waiver wire and price isn't going to come into it. So just a bit of a watch for draft, perhaps. But let's move on to the next game. I've got no idea who wins out of the Warriors and Bulldogs, so I'm just going to be surprised. Knights-Cowboys is the last game of the round. Um, this one's a bit more super coach interesting. Probably the th- biggest thing for the Knights changes is Daniel Safidi's done his PCL, the same knee that he injured previously that he was out for five weeks. Killer blow. It's why I don't like buying guys coming straight off an injury as well, um, and people were buying him last week. He's gone, needs to be sold. On the Cowboys side of things, um, Jake Greenville's gone, replaced by Ruben Cotter, not particularly super coach relevant. Um, Valentine Holmes was meant to come back this week, but it looks like it's going to be next week now. So, for the night side of things, um, if we were looking at a lot of VC options earlier in the round, really, I'm just going to talk about their superstar straight up. Kalen Ponga has now become a reliable option once again. Um, 89 points against the Manly side was a good C shout for people that decided to jump on. 172 the week before versus Tigers, obviously, like we've spoken about. He looks like uh, a C option at the end of the round. Um, good conditions, uh, playing at home and the last game of the round. So you can have a good crack at your VCs before you decide to throw the C on. I really like him for this week. He's he's primed for another big score, I reckon. The only difficulty there is you've got to make a decision um, around sort of VC and C. Teddy or Teddy or him, you can't have both. So it's either VC, Teddy or C, um, Steve Ponger and look elsewhere. I think I'll probably end up going down the uh, BC Lonex route and, and, and see Ponga just to, just to see out the round. You see how Teddy might sort of scare me, but I wouldn't, I'm not as concerned about what I, what I would be sort of four weeks ago. We spoke about Teddy playing his old club. Ponga is playing his old club as, in the Cowboys as well. So And, and that's, that's a little bit more raw than, um, raw than Teddy's departure, which was a while ago now. So uh, I, I'm actually leaning towards a C Ponga as well. I agree with you. Uh, David Clemens, one of the most traded players at the moment, obviously because Payne Huss is out, everyone's going to Clem. Um, where do you see him as far as the tradings? Do you think that people, if they have to get Huss out, should be flocking to Clem like they, like they are at the moment? 577k, 75, 78, 50, 102 rounds out his month, three round average of 68, five round average of 71. We've spoken about his consistency before, 70s the last couple of weeks. He seems to be pretty similar to Huss as far as his scores go. We can see your argue sort of pros and cons, but the fact is he's averaging that for a reason. The guy's a beast with um, meat and potatoes beast, so um, if you need a bloke that's going to average to the 75, the numbers like he's the man that's going to do it, don't they? Yeah, I think he's a fine trade-in for, um, for Huss, and he's probably the safest one, so completely makes sense. Stafford Toa is uh, the other night to talk about. And he's a, he's a downgrade, and he's a guy that's also going to make money, so he's certainly the cheapier of the week. But a lot of people aren't going to be able to trade him out um, because they're not going to have enough trades. I don't have enough trades to trade him out. But in saying that, he's actually a really good option for people that, that maybe can't trade a cheapie out and need a downgrade because he's got a pretty good scoring opportunity in this night side where he's playing on, uh, on Ponga's favourite side. 62 against Manly, 53 against the Tigers the last two weeks, so he hasn't scored badly yet, and he's got the Cows and the Warriors coming up the next couple. Um, if you had a downgrade, 245k downgrade option, he's got the negative BE, but if you can't trade him out again later um, when he makes his cash in a few weeks, then you could certainly just hold him. He's a dual centre fullback as well, which is handy. He looks like a really good downgrade if you can't afford to pay for, for some of the other centre wings, Billy. Oh, I think that's a fourth downgrade, then, yeah. Um, 
half distance sort of option. So on the Cowboys side of things, um, there isn't too many players for us to talk about. Jason Tomalolo scored 64 last week. The Knights forwards don't defend that great at times though. So I, I am expecting a bit of a bounce back potentially with Tomalolo, but he has been a little bit disappointing again. He's had his ups and downs and this Cowboys side doesn't have a lot of firepower in at the moment. It honestly doesn't bother me at all. I think a bloke like him and uh, Tedesco are slowing down the last kind of um, four weeks, um, particularly to the Ponga as well. Just means blokes like that are actually back in the contention for the ground line picks next year. Otherwise, it would be absolutely nightmare just trying to select which one or two blokes you want to pay sort of $950,000 for. Yeah, and I should apologise to Big Lolo. He got upgraded to 71 like he always does, so it ended up being pretty solid. <laughs> Sorry, mate. I think that he's going to get at least a line break. Um, the Knights' defence isn't that great, so I think it might be a bit of a return to form. This this could be a good um, super coach game to finish on, Billy. I think that the big guns are going to fire in this one. I'm going to have some big super coach scores. But I think the Knights are ultimately going to win and they'll probably end up putting 30 on the Cowboys. I think my round here depends on whether, as long as Kurt Mann doesn't chuck up a ton, I'll be happy. <laughs> Let's not talk about Kurt Mann. Uh, he, he's another good option. If you don't own him, um, you could look at getting him in. He's doing well with his um, hook and numbers. So he deserved that shout out. And he's probably the final guy that's relevant in this game to have a look at. In your centre wing, he is 555k though, but he scored 77 on the weekend. That included a try. His base has been um, uh, only around the sort of mid 40s over the last two weeks on average, and he's been at hooker, so not the best base, but it's something there. If you want to look at a, a centre wing that's going to have 40s floor. So on that note, Billy, we're finished up. We've gone for a quick fire pod in, relative to what we normally do. Good luck for the week, mate. Um, thanks for jumping on. Hopefully, we chat next week and you've rocketed up a thousand spots. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, as always, you can download or stream us on uh, SoundCloud or also iTunes where you can subscribe as well. Follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Do give us a share around. We've got our final stretch of the season coming up. Um, we'll be pumping out the podcast for you all and enjoying it very much. So thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for downloading and subscribing as well. We'll chat to you again next week.